When you were a little kid, did you ever play a game with another kid and that kid kept changing the rules on you in the middle of the game? <laughs> were you that kid? <laughs> you know, it seems that this idea never leaves us of what seems to be like this proverbial finish line and being good enough. And this line, it seems, keeps moving further away and we're chasing after it, trying to grab a hold of it. So what do we do? What do we, how do we respond? We just keep on running. We keep chasing this line. And man, the more we chase the line, it seems like it just, it just keeps moving over and over again. And one day, we're going to finish this race of life. One day, our life is going to be over. So what do we hope to do? How do we hope to finish? What type of finish do we hope to make? What line are we pursuing? Because nothing worth doing is easy. You see, nothing costs nothing. In just a few days, we're going to be celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And He was born for a purpose. He was born for a purpose greater than just having an experience here on the earth, greater than just being able to enjoy the pleasures of this life, there was a much greater purpose that this baby in the manger was born. And he knew what his finish line was. It was really clear. And so all the distractions that life would try to throw at him, all of the things that he could have been tempted with, because Scripture says he was tempted in every way, just like you and me. But yet he was without sin, because he understood what the finish line was. He knew what his purpose was, and he was focused on that purpose and nothing worth doing is easy. You see, our salvation, your salvation, came because Jesus made the difficult choice. He came as a gift, as that precious baby. But the finish line was to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And to redeem, to buy back, to purchase back mankind from eternal separation from God. And only by faith in that act and what he did in the way he finished. Can you and I experience eternal life through faith in what Christ did? If you have your Bible, go ahead and go over to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, we're going to read verse 21 through verse 28. So if you're a note taker, you might want to write that down. Matthew 16, 21 through 28. Matthew writes this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. You think, man, Jesus is telling Peter, he's telling all the disciples, there's going to be some bad things happening. He's letting them know. This is coming, you guys. I understand my finish line. I understand my purpose. I understand what I'm here to do. And when he begins to describe to them what's going to happen, Peter's like, mm-mm, not on my watch, Jesus. And again, it's just reiterating, Peter's trying to help out. Peter's trying to, to, to prevent this tragedy because he thinks it would be so great to just keep Jesus here because, man, we love Jesus. We want him to be with us just all the time. We don't want him to suffer. We don't want him to hurt. No, as long as I'm around, Jesus, I got you. And Jesus is like, Pete, I don't need you, man. I, I, I've, I've got this. 
And he rebuked him, and here's what he says to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Your finish line is different than mine. The thing you're chasing, the thing you're pursuing is not the same thing. You see, I'm focused on the goal. I know what I'm here to do. And, and for you, you're just focused on something that's far shorter-sighted. You're focused on something that's not as impactful. You're more concerned about temporary pleasure and comfort. I'm more concerned about eternity. And so he said, get behind me, Satan. I'm, I can't facilitate this. I, I can't be drawn into thinking about this because this is a temptation and I don't get behind me. I don't have time for this. I need to keep my mind on the things of God, not on the things of man. And then Jesus goes right into this after he rebukes Peter. Verse 24, and Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give me in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in all his glory. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, he says, the only man who has the right to say that he is justified by grace alone is the man who has left all to follow Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. The only man who has the right to say, I am justified by grace alone, is that one who says, I have left all to follow Jesus. Jesus is trying to show them here, this is the finish line, you guys. This is what really matters. This is why I came. This is my purpose. This is why I showed up. And Peter wasn't having it. And Jesus says, no, this is the way that heaven views things. Everything else is just a myth. Everything else is trying to distract you. It's trying to get you off course. It's trying to keep you from being focused on the things that matter to God. Because he told Peter, he said, Peter says, your mind are on the things of the flesh. Your mind is set on temporal things. He said, not on the things of God. And here's how God thinks. Here's the value system of heaven. And Jesus began to tell him that if anyone would come after him, then you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Last week, we talked about the treasure in the field. We talked about stumbling upon a treasure and finding something of great value that was worth losing everything for. And as we understand that treasure in the field is Jesus, we see also here that Jesus is saying, look, eternity matters more. What does it matter more than? Whatever would be placed in front of you, whatever would want to distract and detract you from focusing on the things of God and eternal things and giving weight to those things. And is it costly? Yes. And Jesus set the pace for that. Jesus set the tone for that. That's the reason that he came. He's showing us the pattern that we are to follow, and it's not easy. And Jesus said, listen, there is a wide road. A wide road, Jesus said, leads to destruction. But there is a narrow road, and there's actually few that find it. Man, I want to be one of those 
that is on that narrow road. Amen? I want to I see the value and the worth in Christ that he's worth losing everything for, that I have found that pearl of great price, that I have found the treasure in the field, that I have found someone worth losing everything for because the cost of following Jesus is found in the worth that we see in Jesus. Flip over to Luke chapter 9. We'll read another passage of Scripture here. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. We're going to read through 62 here. When Jesus kind of re reiterates the same idea of the cost of following Him and what the finish line looks like. He's trying to paint for us a clear picture so that we can see the value and we understand the cost. And we know that this is going to be something as we grow in Him, as we're pursuing Him, that we understand more and more. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Jesus says this, as they, were go, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. All right, we got, we got a guy on our team. Woohoo! I'll follow you wherever you go. This guy's pumped. He's excited. And you think Jesus would be like, high fives all around. This guy said he'd follow me wherever I go. All right. I mean, that's not what Jesus said in response to this guy. He said this instead, verse 58. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, man, that's not a great motivational speech, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus would be like the worst recruiter ever, you know? You're going out trying to recruit people to follow you, evangelize. And think about that for a minute. I mean, when we go out and we want to evangelize, we want to tell other people about Jesus, we don't want to talk about the cost. We just want to talk about the, the friends. We want to talk about the benefits. We want to talk about all the, the happy things. That's not the way Jesus was showing the value. Jesus didn't say, come follow me. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Your life is going to rock. Follow Jesus. <laughs> We're going to come with all these cool acronyms, you know, like frog, fully rely on God. We're going to sell T-shirts. Then we're going to sell braces, WWJD, best life now. Woo, what would Jesus do? And Jesus is like, I'm homeless. <laughs> you want to come follow me? That's what he just said. That's what he just said. Just think about this. Put this into context here. Imagine you're this guy. You're excited. You're pumped up. You want to know what are the benefits? Man, Jesus, whoa, I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. And Jesus was like, okay. Foxes even have a hole <laughs> to go in. <laughs> Birds, they have nests. But me, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. <laughs> you want to come on? You want to join the team? Oh, we're not like staying in like at least a, you know, Motel 8 or something, you know? I mean, we're not staying somewhere. I mean, come on. And he's like, no, guys, I'm... Because he wanted them to understand there's a cost, but he's worth it. Let's keep reading. He says this, verse 59, to another, he looked at him and he said, follow me. So now Jesus, this is his recruiting tactic here, okay? The other guy said, woohoo, I'll follow you, right? So this guy was chasing after Jesus. Now Jesus looks at this guy and he says, come follow me. Wow. So it's not you chasing after Jesus. Jesus is looking at you and saying, hey, you come follow me. Wow, I was, I was picked. I was asked to follow Jesus. This is a big deal. Come follow me. All right, that sounds awesome. But, but the guy says, oh, hang on a second. Though. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm excited about this. But Lord, let me first go bury my father. Like, I got some stuff to do. I got some stuff to take care of. I got, I, I got some stuff I got to do. 
And in this culture, they would have this process where they would wait for the bodies to decompose and then they would want to go bury the bones of their uh, dead relatives with their ancestors. And then this process would take a long time. He's like, I got some stuff to do. Like, you know, we're still grieving. We got to go through this whole thing. I mean, you know, culturally, it's our process. It's really important, right? So when all this process is kind of said and done, then like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Just, just give me some time. Like, I, I need some time. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Oh, Jesus recruiting tactics here. <laughs> but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then there's another person who said, I will follow you, Lord, alert, but first let me go say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I don't like that Jesus said any of those things. <laughs> I'm not excited that Jesus said any of those things because I, as I read those things, it causes me to evaluate. But Jesus is painting a very clear picture of the, of the worth that we should be finding in him. The value of following Christ. The value of Jesus, that we get Jesus, that we've learned through this series, Christ plus nothing equals everything. And as we see the value in Christ, we should be compelled, not because we're supposed to, but because we see the value, the, the treasure in the field, that we're willing to say, Lord, you're worth it. Because I found the worth and the cost of following Jesus on the outside. If you don't see the value of it, if you don't see the value of leaving and forsaking everything in order to pursue the finish line he's put in front of us, if we don't see that, then we're going to try to find some happy medium, some compromise, some way of accomplishing enough to kind of make God happy, but still kind of doing our own thing too. Because we see this great cost in front of us, and we're not quite sure if it's worth the price. But if we see the value if we see the worth in Christ, then we're like, how could we not? It just makes sense. I mean, come on. I know how we roll in our area. We love sales and coupons. <laughs> Don't play. I know you got Kohl's cash burning a hole in your pocket right now. <laughs> and I know you're just thinking, if I don't use it, I'm wasting money. And they get you back in the store and you don't, oh, I spent some extra money or, or this one, this one, this one. I know no one's done this this holiday season. Probably just our family. Where, where your spouse <clears throat> comes to you and says something like, I bought this thing that no one was asking for, but it was on sale, so I saved so much money. Right? I, I saved $100 by buying this thing that no one was asking for because normally it's $200 and I got it on sale, so I saved $100. And some of you are going, yeah, this is a good deal. <laughs> and you have no idea what I'm talking about. <clears throat> <laughs> Listen, if you weren't planning on buying it and it's on sale and you bought it, you saved nothing. <laughs> Be careful with that amen, brother. That'll cost you a sharp elbow to the side <clears throat> and a lump of coal in your stocking. Um, but when we see something that we want or something that we see is, oh, why wouldn't I buy that? It, that just makes sense. 
we think, I would be a fool not to buy that because, wow, the worth of this thing is so much greater than what it's costing me. And we go, I would feel stupid not buying this thing because, wow, what, what a great, how on earth, I can't believe, as to where another person may look at that same thing and go, yeah, it's not worth it even if it's on sale. Have you ever said something like this? Like, I don't care if they gave it to me, I wouldn't buy that. Have you ever said anything like that before? Because why? Why would you say that about certain things? Because you don't care. It's not worth it to you, right? Like, like I, 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 don't, I don't care if you gave it to me. It's a, oh, I don't care if it's 99 cents and it's normally $1,000. I don't, I don't care. It's not valuable to me at all. So when it's on sale, when there's a great deal, it's, it's still not valuable because it's not worth any price. You see, if we understand the value of Christ, when we see the cost on our end, when we see what it costs us, we go, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'd be a fool not to give him everything because I see how valuable he is. I see how valuable, I see how worthy he is. And my heart is stirred with so much value and so much delight that I'm like, Jesus, whatever I got, it's yours because nothing is more valuable than you. To the one who doesn't yet see the value in Christ, they don't see the worth, they're still questioning. They're still wondering. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you. I, want, I, want, I, I just pray the Holy Spirit of God opens your eyes to see the value. As we're in this Christmas season, as, as we're talking about Jesus more and more, as even people who don't know Jesus are still talking about Jesus during this time of year, what a great time of year for God to just be glorified and for people to think about their lives and to think about Christ and the worth. And listen, I know that, that, that it can be so easy for us to just get in this rut of, of, of tradition and thinking, oh, this is when we do this thing and this is when we do that thing and we miss the point of it because we're just so fixed on, oh, we're going to do our Christmas thing and we're going to do our tradition, even our Christmas Eve service coming up at 2.30 and 4 o'clock on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> We can, we can get so caught up in just going, wow, this is, this is the thing we do, and, and we just go through it, and we're just happy that we did it, and we sang the song, and we did the thing. Folks, can I tell you that our hearts need to be oriented to see the value of Christ to where I don't care if you hear it a million times, it should still stir your heart more and more. Amen? It should still stir your heart more and more because you see the value. You see the worth. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. To glorify God with our lives. That's our finish line. And then to enjoy Him forever is what we get to do after this temporary life, after this vapor is gone. The reason we run the race is Christ and we can only be called children of God because of Christ. Everything we set our hands to, all of our efforts, all of our affections should be on the glory of God. And our lives should be lived with the priority of eternity in mind. Every decision, everything that I allow my heart to be captivated by, in light of eternity, Lord, let me live for the glory of God. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You knew you weren't going to get out of here without hearing something about Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Somebody tried to do an impression of me the other day, and they did it in front of me, which was great. Um, 
I always appreciate that, by the way. Um, if you've got a good one, I'd like to see it. Um, but uh, <clears throat> someone did an impression of me, and it was funny. They opened up their Bible. It was a little kid. And the first thing they said was, Paul said, and I'm like, yeah, this kid's, this kid, this kid's listened to me preach before. That's really good. I thought that was great. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said to Timothy in verse 1, he said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For there is a time that's coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they're going to have itching ears, and they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they're going to turn away from listening to the truth. They're going to wander off into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. My finish line is getting close, is what Paul is saying here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All those who have valued Christ, all of those who have seen the word, all of those who understood he was worth it. You see, Paul understood something that you and I need to grab. The finish line doesn't move with God like it does with man. You see, we buy into this myth that there's more, that there's more here on earth. We buy into this myth that it's more presence, that it's more stuff. These things are going to bring me joy, contentment, happiness, peace, fulfillment. We chase the job. We chase the relationship. We chase whatever gratifies our flesh because it's whispering in our ear, you don't have me yet, and I'm what you need. And it whispers in our ear, I'm the solution. I'm the thing that if you just could grab me and hold me, then your life is going to be fulfilled. And we chase it, and we chase it, and it seems like when we get close, the finish line just moves a little bit. It's not fair. You're making up the rules. You can't, can't change the rules, and the rules are constantly changing because what people have said would make you happy five years ago or not the same things because now you need the newer, shinier, better, whatever. The thing you thought you had to have, you got it, and you're like, I finally got it, and then it just slipped out of your hands before you could even hold on to it. It seems like you just updated your kitchen, and then all of a sudden Chip and Joanna are doing something different, and you're like, hang on a second. I just got subway tile. Don't do something else. And you're just chasing, and you're trying to grab, and you're trying to, and you're like, I just got this. And, and, and now there's something else on the cover of the magazine. It was this, it was that, now it's this, now it's that. You're changing the rules, the finish line's moving. But the finish line doesn't move with God. The finish line's always been the same with Him. It's never changed. The same finish line that it was 2,000 years ago when the baby was born in a manger is the same finish line that we have today. It's just, do we see it? Is that what we're chasing after? Is that the race we're running? 
Are we running the same kind of race that Paul said he was running? Or are we running and chasing a different kind of line? A line that's ever evolving. A line that's driven by self. A line that's driven by flesh. Chasing after the myth of more. Believing that what I don't yet have is what I need. Or am I understanding true riches? The riches that are found in Christ and that when it comes to stuff, man, I, I've come to the realization of the truth when it comes to stuff and things here on earth that actually the richest people aren't those who have the most, but rather those who need the least. And when I live my life in that way, I find greater peace and joy and contentment because I'm chasing after Christ. I'm running the race that I know what the finish line is because Jesus gives me true purpose. He's worth living for. He's worth dying for. He gave us the finish line to run towards. But the myth of more dangles the carrot. And we're just chasing after it, man. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm not dangling a carrot. I'm giving you a clear finish line for you to run this race, fight this good fight of faith. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You know every one of you have a ministry, every one of you. I don't care if you went to seminary and you have a title or not. That doesn't matter. You know, I don't find seminary or titles or any of that in the Bible. I don't find any of that in here. And I'm basing my faith off the Bible. Amen? What I do see is that he says each one of us has a gift. What I do see is that the Holy Spirit, if, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he's giving gifts to the body and he wants us to desire those gifts and ask for those gifts he wants us to desire to be used by god and realize it's not us but rather it's the greater one in us and when we all have a ministry we all have a, a, a role to fulfill in this thing and he gives the illustration of the body and now there's different parts in the body there's different functions in the body and you're in the body if you are in christ because the church is not somewhere we go it's who we are and we all have a function, we all have a role, we all have a gift. And so I want to exhort you today, Word of Grace, whether you're here in this room, whether you're out in the commons, whether you're watching online, whether you're downtown in the jail, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill what God has commissioned and called you to do. Discover that. Explore that. Ask Him to reveal that to you. Because you're not here to just see how much stuff you can accumulate and pass on to the next person. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching, guys. <laughs> what type of legacy do we want to leave? What's the priority of the things that matter most? Is, is it just physical possessions? Or are we laying up what Jesus tells us to, which is treasure in heaven, where moth and rust can't creep in and destroy it this stuff is valuable living life to the fullest fulfilling our ministry paul says fulfill your ministry tim keep pressing on when everyone else around you is dropping out when everyone else is compromising when you feel alone what did paul tell timothy he said hey there's going to come a time man people are actually going to look for teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear their ears are going to be scratched because, man, they're just, oh, I want to go chase after this type of teaching because I like it. It makes me feel good. I like that truth. Ooh, I like that. It makes me feel good. 
Paul said there's going to people are going to prefer that over the actual truth of the word of God. People are going to prefer a distortion of truth. It's this kind of it, it kind of sounds right, but but man, you know, I, it, but it makes me feel so good, and I I want. They said they're going to heap that stuff on themselves. Why? Because they've made it all about themselves. They bought into the myth of more, and anything that detracts from the message of the gospel, anything that keeps and moves your eyes off of the finish line of glorifying God, of fulfilling the ministry that God has called you to, of the worth of Christ, anything that distracts you from that finish line, even if it has elements of truth in it, can I tell you that it's the type of stuff that Paul was warning Timothy was coming? Oh man, it's so akin, it's so close to what's right, so close to truth. It has elements, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's just more of what I want to hear. I don't want that. I don't want to be challenged. <clears throat> I don't want to be challenged. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to evaluate. I don't want to have to repent. I don't want to take responsibility. Yeah, wide is the road that leads to destruction. And a lot of people are going to find that wide road. There are going to be many in that day, Scripture says, that when they stand face to face with the judge, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these awesome things in your name? Like, I mean, we, we cast demons out in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We performed miracles in your name. And he's going to say to them in that day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I don't like that either. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like those verses in the scripture, but they're in there. Why? To cause us to check our hearts, to check ourselves. Ask ourselves, what is the finish line here? What's the motive? What's driving me every day? Am I, am I having my ears scratched and just hearing the things I want to hear? Or am I truly pursuing, glorifying God, enjoying Him forever because I found worth in Christ and I know what that finish line is because Jesus is worth it, even if it costs me everything. The myth of more would tell you that what you don't yet have is what you need. The myth of more would tell you that life would be easier if you would just quit pursuing the Lord and just go back to the way things were. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? It was so much easier over here because now you're evaluating, you're changing. You're, I mean, come on, you're, you're losing friends over here. And things aren't the same now. You're, you're thinking differently. Man, it was just easier when you were just back here. That's what the myth of more would want to tell you. If you just make things easier for yourself, that's the answer. If you would just quit even, just give up, that would be easier. Everyone seems to be happy except for you. That's, that's what the myth of more would say. What's wrong with you? You're broken. You're, you're dysfunctional. That's what the myth of more would whisper. You're, there's something odd about you because everyone else seems to have their lives together. I mean, at least that's what the enemy tells me. I don't know what he's telling everybody else. But the myth of more comes and whispers in our ear and wants us to buy into chasing after something else because we think that if I could just get that, somebody else has it. Why I, sh I should have that too. I'm entitled to that. They can have that. I, I can have it. What's wrong with me? What, have I just messed my life up so bad that I can't, I can't, why can't I do that? That's not right. And we look at everyone else and keeping our eyes on everyone else. 
The myth of more gets us to buy into this stuff. But can we hear Paul's words echoing in our ears today? The words where he says, fulfill your ministry. Fight the good fight. Press on. Christ is worth it. Jesus fulfilled the reason that he came to the earth 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger. But that path was not easy. It wasn't like everybody just got really jazzed up and said, let's write a bunch of songs about this. It's so great. They're going to sing them forever. It was like, this is so exciting. This is awesome. Um, when the king heard about it, he actually had all the male children killed. We, we don't really highlight that as much. Think about there's just this great persecution that happened because when Jesus shows up on the scene, people's children died as a result. Oh, that's hard. It's difficult. All the babies two years and younger, all the male children, the king executes a decree to have them all killed. Genocide right there. As soon as the king hears about this and feels this perceived threat. It was hard. Mary and Joseph had to flee, man. They were, they were running at times. They were evading capture at times. This was not an easy path. I, we kind of romanticize it almost during this time of year. This was intense, you guys. I mean, this was an intense time in Christ's life. It wasn't an easy path, but it was worth it because the finish line was clear. All the pain, all the rejection. I mean, he was despised by his own countrymen, even, even his own his own community, when he went to his own community, his own, his own village where he grew up, the Bible says he couldn't even do any great miracles there. Jesus couldn't do great miracles there because these people were so filled with unbelief and they were so casual. They're like, isn't that the carpenter's son? Like they would go, who's this guy? I remember when he was this big. He would come over, you know, and, and, he played with little, you know, Jimmy, or I don't know, some weird Jewish name that's hard to pronounce. I don't know. Come over and play with him. <clears throat> you come over and play with Benny. <laughs> there, how's that? <laughs> that's not hard. I remember that. Who's this guy think that he is? And it's God. Think about this. That would just rock our world, blow our minds. This is God in the flesh. They didn't take him seriously. No mighty miracles. And then when some of the people that he healed, think about thousands of people, man. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish from the little boy's lunch and thousands of people. He healed people. And then where are all these people? They're shouting, free Barabbas, free the murderer instead of Jesus what should we do with him? And the crowd yells, crucify him. This was not an easy path. As he's hanging on the cross, he's not surrounded by adoring fans. He's being despised. He's being mocked. People are gambling for his clothes. And this, this, wasn't, this wasn't this thing we can often romanticize it to be, and we just skip around and jump around like, oh, it's so wonderful. This was hard. And then Jesus tells us, to take up our cross and follow him? Man, that sounds difficult. And it is. But can I tell you that it is worth it? 
it is worth it. His path wasn't easy, but the finish line was clear. And because of Jesus, our finish line can be clear. Because of Jesus, we can live for a line and pursue something greater than ourselves. Philippians 1 and 21 says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. This Christmas season, and I ask that today you would help us see the beauty and the value in Christ, in Christ alone. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for how awesome you are, for how wonderful you are, for how magnificent you are, for the price that you paid, and how even your coming to this earth was a, was a beautiful thing, but yet, at the same time, for so many, there was so much pain there was so much fear surrounding it, so much turmoil, so much challenge and opposition around it. But your finish line was clear. Thank you for finishing strong so that we can be called sons and daughters of God. Help us to see the value and the worth of that baby lying in the manger. May it stir us and inspire us and motivate us and challenge us to pursue a finish line in our lives that is clear, that is meaningful, that is impacting eternity. For your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.